pastor Xavier Reese and the simple truth that in God's will, there is no mission impossible. Mary's pregnancy was the response to the promise of God made to his people, divine intervention without natural means, despite her purity never having been known by a man. For with God, nothing will be impossible. God can do anything he wants. And yet we see that God looks for willing servants. Here I am. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. The will of God is something important for all believers to know. We even pray, Your will be done, Lord. And what better example of seeking His will amongst the greatest of challenges is that of Mary, the mother of Jesus, and God's chosen vessel. But in today's Simple Truth study from a study series in the Gospel of Luke, Pastor Xavier lets us in on the fact that there's a difference between God's permissive will and God's perfect will. Let's listen. Luke chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 26 through 38, and the message is entitled, Mary, a Chosen Vessel. Notice in verse 26, the angel Gabriel is the person announcing the birth of the Messiah. The time of Gabriel's coming was in the sixth month, it said. This is Elizabeth's pregnancy. So Elizabeth and Mary are cousins, second cousins. So Jesus and John the Baptist would be second cousins also, okay? In verse 27, notice the visitation was to a pure virgin named Mary. Mary was fulfilling Isaiah's prophecy of Isaiah 14. Behold, a virgin should bear a child. You should call his name Emmanuel. Mary was told to rejoice in her situation that was going to be difficult and bring much suspicion to her life. She's called highly favored one, which means to peruse with grace and encompass with favor. She was honored with blessing due to the fact that God had graciously and sovereignly chosen her. Now in verse 32 and 33, notice the angel revealed the prophetic accuracy to Mary. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. He would be the son of God. Once again here emphasizing his deity, God the highest. Old Testament, she's a Jew. She understands this. All she has is the Old Testament scriptures. She was schooled and taught. God became man. Isaiah prayed to God, all that you would rent the heavens and come down. He says, I will. In about 500 years. (laughs) Jesus is the answer to that prayer. He would be Emmanuel, God with us. Matthew 1.23 is very, very, very clear. Mary, remember, acknowledged that she needed a Savior in verse 47. Mary was stunned and humbled of her privilege here, revealed to her, as she said in verse 48. A chosen vessel unto honor. Wow. God revealed to Moses that he would use him to deliver the people from Egypt, if you remember. And he attempted to give all kinds of lame excuses why God couldn't and shouldn't use him. It was really an insult against God, and God got pretty upset with Moses. And whenever we leave the most important factor of the equation, as I said earlier, God, then we will always be looking to ourselves and try to perform for God. 
But when we come to God just as we are, and we believe him for what he is directing our life for, then he enables me and equips me to do the work. I would not be able to do what I do if God did not call me and anointed me and helped me every day. Should those of us who understand the revelation of God made known to Mary minimize our own privilege as servants of Jesus? Just as Mary housed the Son of God in her womb, each of us have the great privilege to house the Holy Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity, in our bodies. 2 Corinthians 6. A different work, but the same God. Just as Mary was called to be one with the Son of the Highest, so each of us have been brought into the same fellowship with the Son of the Highest. Jesus Christ, the first chapter of 1 John, speaks about the fellowship we have with him. He said, we saw him, we touched him, we gazed upon him. And in him is no darkness at all. And if we say we walk in the light and we have darkness, we lie and don't have the truth. What an incredible fellowship that we can come to him anytime based on what he's done and who he is as children of God. Just as Mary submitted to the reign of God over her life, so each of us are to submit to God. All that he would want to do through us and in us and demonstrating it day by day that he is in control of our life. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I beg you, by the mercies of God, you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to him, which is your reasonable service. And don't be fashioned to this world system, but be metamorphosed, transformed by the renewing of your mind to prove what is that good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God, one day at a time. I don't know how else to live. I can't live for tomorrow, today. If I'm here, I'll worry about it then. Jesus said, you know, today has enough trouble of its own. That doesn't mean we're not the plan, if the Lord will, but I take one day at a time. Just as Mary, through faith, had entered the kingdom that would never end, each person that believes in Messiah enters that kingdom immediately. Eternal life begins here and now, not when you die. Whoever believes in it should not perish, but have everlasting life, John 3, 16. And so this was the revelation to Mary. Amazing. But she had to believe the word of God. We're going to see she gives assent to it. She's not a robot. She's not forced. She's not coerced. She's entreated. Notice thirdly, you have the consolation to Mary in 34 to 38. The young woman Mary asked the question to clear up her confusion. How can this be since I do not know a man? Mary knew she was sexually pure, a virgin. Mary didn't understand how this would be possible. Now Mary in her question was not doubting or acting apart from faith. Faith asks questions of reason. God doesn't object to that. Faith at times embraces God's revelation in contrast to reason. Faith is not opposed to reason. Faith is only reasonable when it bows to the scriptural revelation of God. So our faith is not based on reason alone, but our faith is reasonable. Now, what's the difference with her and Zechariah? The angel Gabriel gave the commentary. When he says, how can this be? It was doubt. And he told them, this is not doubt. This is a question. How and what manner is this going to happen? 
So the very commentary of Gabriel to Zacharias said, you're not believing me. Mary's not, not believing. Mary is believing. She's just saying, how? The manner. And that's the difference. Now notice, in 35, the young woman, Mary, heard the proclamation of the angel. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The third person of the Trinity would produce the seed life in her womb. The one who would be given to the church when Jesus was glorified, according to John 7, 39, the Holy Spirit. The power of the highest will overshadow you, meaning to envelop. The word is used of the Holy Spirit exerting creative energy upon the womb of the Virgin Mary and produce the seed of life, the Son of God, in her womb. This is the, the epitome of the fulfillment of prophecy. All that God had promised to the people of God. The young woman, Mary, perceived her partnership with God. Look at 35 at the end. The Holy One was to be born. The Holy One, again, the common phrase of the Old Testament about God. Isaiah is full of Jeremiah, the Holy One. The phrase is specific, not just another or one who is holy, but the only one who is holy in and of himself and the one who is the source of man's holiness. He is the fountainhead. The Holy One who was to be born would be called the Son of God. He would be the fulfillment of the seed of the woman promised Adam and Eve way back in Genesis 3.15. Every Jewish young woman understood that. A woman does not have seed in herself. She carries the egg. It's the man who fertilizes the egg. Notice a young woman in 36 and 37. Mary received personal information now. Elizabeth, who was barren, had conceived a son in her old age. She was her relative, again, the second cousin, as we've seen. She, being barren, had been lifted up to God by her husband and probably herself in prayer. And yet, now in her old age, she conceived. And most likely, they probably gave up praying already as they were old. But remember, the text says that God heard it the first time. When you make your request, God hears it the first time. If you think God has to be bug, 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 so he says, all right, I'll give it to you. You're believing the teaching of that parable of the unjust judge that's taught wrong all the time. They teach that we're supposed to be persistent. That woman wanted to get justice from her enemies. No, no, no. That would make God evil. And I have to bug God to give me my prayer. No, no, no. He's contrary to that judge. And the parables compare a contrast. That's a contrast. Though you may have to bug a man, and he'll get tired of you and give you a request, you don't have to bug God, because that parable goes back to the previous chapter. Will the Son of Man find faith when he comes on the earth and do justice? Yes! Little faith, but he will do justice. He's not like the judges here on earth. Wow. And so they probably gave up. And then God answered. Because as long as I'm praying for something that I think that my God, God might give me, if I can be involved or I deserve it or whatever it is, I'll keep praying. Then once time goes by, I say, well, it's no sense, no, no good now. Well, how do you know? Maybe God's going to give it to you now. You don't know. She had been conceded, her request, by the news of Gabriel, through her husband when he entered the temple. Right on time, perfect timing. The child that was born was John the Baptist to prepare the way of the Messiah. 
Boys in the Wilderness, Isaiah. Now notice Elizabeth was now in her sixth month of her pregnancy, as we've seen. Both women were aware of God's miraculous intervention when Mary visited Elizabeth. I mean, who else would understand and believe you at first? Only the two of you. I mean, it's crazy. John would be greater by virtue of being the privileged servant, the forerunner of Messiah, to proclaim the way. And Jesus would be great by virtue of being the God-man, the Lamb of God which takes away the sins of the world in John 1, 29. Greater. Elizabeth even bows and concedes inferiority to Mary as she walks in. As the baby leaps in her womb, he says, who is this? Who am I that the mother of my Lord would come to visit me? Wow. Now, she's 14. Elizabeth's probably 80. Elizabeth's pregnancy was in response to prayer of divine intervention through natural means. By God's intervention, but through natural means. Mary's pregnancy was in response to the promise of God made to his people. Divine intervention without natural means, despite her purity never having been known by a man. Wow. The fact was, look at verse 37. For with God, nothing will be impossible. God can do anything he wants. And no one can say to him, what are you doing? And yet we see that God looks for willing servants. God has never forced a person to accept what he has declared to a person or asked them. There's, we're going to see here the free volition of Mary completely. Verse 38, the young woman Mary gave personal submission to God's will. Her perspective regarding herself was seeing herself as a slave to God by choice. Then Mary said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord. The word behold is an imperative command. She tells the angel Gabriel, behold, commands him. Well, 14 years old. Here I am. Man. The phrase maidservant comes from the word duly, from dulos, the slave, the bond slave. It appears three times in the New Testament, verse 38, 48, and then Acts 2, 18. That comes from the Old Testament. Remember the bond servant? He serves his master for six, day, for six years, and in the seventh he was to be released. If he didn't want to be released and go free, he would tell his master, I love you, I don't want to leave, I want to serve you for life by choice. So he would take him to the door of his house, put his ear at the doorpost, get an awl and a hammer, put a hole in it, put an earring in him, and when you saw a man with an earring, that didn't mean he was hip or anything else. It meant that he was a bond slave for life. Okay? This is the background behind it. She saw herself as a bond slave by choice to serve God for life. A vessel of honor unto him. Now her priority for life was God's will. Verse 38 through the end. Let it be to me according to your word. She was receiving the word from the Gabriel as God's word directly from God. Committing herself to God's will, his purpose, and his plan. The phrase, let it be, is called an optative wish as complete submission of oneself and abandonment to the very words spoken to them. Mary was willing to experience disgrace, risk divorce as a servant of God. That's incredible. Committing herself to God in her suffering as unto a faithful creator, as 1 Peter 4.19 says. Notice her visitation. Revelation and consolation had been fulfilled. So the angel departed from her. Her mission had been completed. 
his mission had been accomplished. There's some interesting facts about the blood of a mother and a child while the child's in the womb. Listen carefully. This is written up by a doctor. It is unnecessary that a single drop of blood be given to the developing embryo in the womb of the mother. Such is the case, according to scientists, the mother provides the fetus, the unborn developing infant, and the nutritive elements for the building of that little body in the secret of her womb. But all the blood which forms in it is formed in the embryo itself. From the time of conception to the time of the birth of the infant, not one single drop of blood ever passes from mother to child. The placenta, that mass of temporary tissue known better as afterbirth, forming the link between the mother and the child, is so constructed that although all the soluble nutritive elements such as proteins, fats, and carbohydrates, salts, and minerals, and even antibodies pass freely from mother to child, and the waste products of the child's metabolism are passed back to the mother's circulation, no actual interchange of a single drop of blood ever occurs normally. All the blood which is in that child is produced within the child itself, the mother contributes no blood at all. Now, Mary didn't know this. Did Mary have to understand this to believe God? You see, they're, they're, today some Christians, they, they feel that they can believe God if they can understand it scientifically. Thank God for what we have, but I don't need science I don't need the evidence. Either God is telling the truth or he's lying. One of the two. All she knew was that she was a chosen vessel for the will and plan of God. And she said, Lord, have your way. That's faith. Faith points me back to the revelation of God. Often the objections of people involved excluding the abilities of God, as we said, by limiting him by their own abilities to understand for the performance of whatever God is going to do. One of the biggest and highest on priority is this, the ability to forgive. Boy, he nails every one of us there. You and I can't forgive. You may be a nice person, and maybe you've never really been tested on what forgiveness is. Be patient. You will. It's just a matter of time. You will come to the end of yourself. The ability to live above sin after being born again. None of us can do it. Otherwise, we would have done it before we were born again. The ability to handle the things that God allows to come into our lives. Only God can enable you. The answer is the same as Mary. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and power the highest will envelop you. He is called the Son of God, verse 35. That's the only way we can do it. When I yield myself to God and I say, Lord, have your way. Lord, I can't do this. And I have to yield to the continual and complete filling of the Spirit of God, Ephesians 5, 18, all the time. The believer is always instructed by God in his word as to his ways and means of working that are beyond our ways. 
Therefore, we trust him who can do all things by his perfect wisdom. The example of the men and women that God has used in Scripture is a great encouragement to you and I. And God in his sovereign wisdom chose certain historical points, certain historical events, certain historical people, put them in there. And some of them he has allowed to be seen with all their flaws, just as they were for your encouragement and mine. If the Bible would have given us perfect people, man, I'd hate to read it. God is in control as with Elizabeth and Mary, verse 36. If I allow him, he won't force me. The salvation of man is really not impossible for God. Man is the one who limits God. God can and does save some out of the most wretched situations, horrible, depraved lifestyles. Paul considered himself as such. He said that he was an example of those that God could save. You ever notice that Paul never gave us gory details about his testimony? He could have. But we do know that he intimidated Christians, persecuted Christians, incarcerated Christians, and killed Christians. He never forgot that. So he stayed a servant of God. He always knew who he was, a sinner saved by grace. And because of that, he could stand confidently in who he was now, a child of God. God alone can transform the evil heart of man. God can do anything for with God. Nothing is impossible, verse 37. I don't know where you're coming from, where you're at, but God can do the most amazing things in your life if you let him. Once I am saved, the most beneficial thing for my life is to submit myself to the will of God and that he has revealed to me it is the absolute best for my life and for the life of others. But it will cost you. The will of God costs us. It costs us everything that we want to live for that separates us from God. I have to die to self. There's no other way. Absolutely no other way. It is a declaration, behold, a servant of the Lord, let it be according to your word. Verse 39 at the end. That's the bottom line. This was the consolation to Mary. Man, what an announcement by this angel Gabriel to Mary. Laid out in this threefold movement. The visitation to Mary. The revelation to Mary. And the consolation to Mary. Was it going to be easy? Nope. Was it going to be a doable thing? Yep. Was it going to glorify her or God? God. And that's the bottom line. My pride wants me to get the glory. My wisdom is to let God have all the glory. Always. Always. 
Pastor Xavier Reese with the encouraging reminder, God isn't looking for the perfect vessel, but the obedient ones to use for His service. More simple truths he draws from our study series of the Gospel of Luke today. And you can request a copy of today's thought-provoking message titled, Mary, a Chosen Vessel. Pick up a copy on CD for yourself or a friend for only $4. And we'll be including everything we heard today and last time as well. Now, the title to ask for once again is Mary, a Chosen Vessel. Make your request by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. Knowing God's will is sometimes hard for any of us. But next time, Pastor Xavier Reese simplifies the equation with this simple truth. You're in God's will when God is in control. Join us then. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California, www.calvarychapelpasadena.com.